It's the future of food. I'm Lee Schneider. Tania Pina is the founder and CEO of Renewable. We were working with pre-sorted, pre-consumed waste that isn't really subjected to contamination, often found in post-consumed waste. They use a unique process that allows them to liquefy it, sterilize it, and stabilize it to turn it into a liquid nutrient as well as a dry, granulated fertilizer. And this is intended for both indoor, controlled environment agriculture as well as the traditional soil-based ag. Tania, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Lee. Now, I was reading on your website and elsewhere, and tell me if I have this number right, but 12,000 tons of food waste is produced annually in New York City. First, do I have that number right? You know, it's the most recent that we've found. I mean, we do know that New York City spends $180 million annually. Those numbers were mind-boggling. 12,000 tons of food waste would take 800 fully loaded garbage trucks to remove. And the city of New York is spending $180 million a year to get rid of it? It's a lot. That's, that's literally a mountain of food waste. Now, what's happening to that waste now? When we first got into it in 2012, a lot of the food waste was being diverted to landfills that had the capacity to service it. So Pennsylvania, Virginia, and China even. Now and today, you know, they there is... The Staten Island landfill that has been revamped into a park, there's a commercial-scale composting facility in Long Island that has been increasingly been, you know, diverting a lot of the food waste to organic recycling just into traditional compost or as a soil amendment. And there's smaller food waste processors that are turning it into other types of value-added products. When you think of food waste, you might think of the scraps you scrape from your plate or the food that restaurants throw away. But there's also food waste created when food is processed, even before it makes it onto your plate. Wholesale food distributors buy directly from farms and repackage food to sell to schools or restaurants. They often throw out the stuff that's less than perfect. Food waste is 75% liquid. A company called Industrial Organic can go to your processing facility, draw out the liquid, digest and sterilize the food waste, leaving you with organic fertilizer. In another approach, Misfit Juicery, based in D.C., is sourcing food waste all the way from New York City and turning it into a cold-pressed drink. New York City has definitely put the mandate out for especially industrial-scale and commercial-scale food service providers and food food waste generators, I should say, to find a better solution to landfills, but it is not 100% um, diverted yet, and that's just expected given the scale. Let's bring this back to your company. Why did you start it? What inspired you to get going on Renewable? Our whole vision, which remains today, and still a lot more R&D needs to be invested in, which is how can we truly source all the nutrients from food waste and so that no supplements are needed and therefore the cost as well as the the process as well as the the footprint needed or involved with sourcing these nutrients from uh, locations outside of the immediate vicinity of the food waste doesn't create a larger carbon footprint. So what do I mean by that? Truly, it's the vision of 
allowing a plant to be productive and to be healthy, but truly sourcing all of its nutritional needs just from food waste alone. If you're a plant, unprocessed food waste is of low nutritional value. You want the stuff that was around your roots in the soil. The beautiful thing about food waste is that the the, the synergies that happen with, with the microbials and what happens un underneath the root or underneath the plant where the roots are at in the microbiome in the soil environment, for instance, that plant matter or that humic dead plant-based matter that's still in, you know, the food waste is really beneficial. So it's it'll do things like enhance the flavor profile or enhance the color spectrum that you can't get from just a, a mineral salt or synthetic fertilizer. Soil is lost at a rate of 10 to 40 times as fast as it can replenish itself. Conventional farming is stripping soil of carbon and nutrients, and 70% of the Earth's topsoil is vanishing because of erosion. To feed the world, that soil has to be replaced. That's where fertilizer comes in. Jonathan Bloom wrote in American Wasteland that about 40% of the food we produce ends up being thrown away. The annual cost of that, he says, is $100 billion. What would be your recommendation for just the average person who is just concerned? What should they do? I'll describe it in two ways. I think if you're an average person, and I'll just kind of make that distinction, that is near a farm or you're fortunate to be in that ecosystem or around it, um, I think there's collaborations definitely to be done or to be had with farmers that, you know, at the farm, they have a lot of waste because a head of lettuce is, you know, to let's say 43% actually spoiled, but there's still a good amount that can be harvested from that. Try to identify opportunities to turn those food, that those items of food waste at the farm into value-added products. And the USDA actually has a grant program that can do that. Those items of food waste or crops that have been wasted at the farm before distribution and turn that into a product that can be sold downstream, whether it's cooking it at the site or turning into uh, spices, for example. The other part of it is at the consumer level um, with meal planning, you know, I really try to only buy when I am absolutely certain of how much I need. So it's really being uh, I think true to oneself and just trying to be more, the word I think would be deliberate maybe, so that we're conscious of how much we're spending on food and really buying according to our needs. Because if you think about it, you know, supermarkets buy produce from farms or from suppliers based on projections. So if you're buying and you find that yourself that you're buying more than what you actually need and wasting about 20% of it, then that, though, that waste also is translated upstream to the supermarkets because they're buying 20% more than you actually need. So just being more mindful of your purchasing decisions. And, and I'll go back to what we do is, you know, just trying to be creative with food that could go bad soon, but, you know, just trying to incorporate into our meals at home. The supermarket connection is really interesting because I'm in an urban environment, mm -hmm. you know, and I, most people probably listening to this are in some kind of urban environment. So that means the farmer thing would be great. You know, they might have access to farmers' markets and farmers that way. But most of the time, it's this kind of seesaw relationship between what they're buying, what the supermarket is stocking, 
what they actually eat, what they actually throw away. This complex, I can't even begin to diagram it in my mind, but this complex relationship between really comes down to planning. You know, the way that you would decide what you're going to eat each week and how well you would use those materials seems that that's a pretty big factor here. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, it's kind of like you said, like a systemic issue. And I think people just don't think about the larger impact on it. But, but yes, I would agree with you on that. What kind of infrastructure needs to be in place for food producers and food distributors to address this problem? Where can they start? There are more companies providing infrastructure, such as Biohitech America. Um, food to Water in New Jersey is another example. Um, but I think there's more research transparency to be done on, you know, really like what is the ideal solution for each food service provider or food producer or distributor in this case, because there's not a best solution for, for all. I just want to be sure that I have the origin story right. I mean, this was a very specific thing for you to go into. And I haven't heard, well, my parents were always into recycling or my big brother. You know, I haven't heard the typical origin story of why this, why you. It was a couple of things that kind of drove me in this direction. The one that people see and hear most is, I used to be a prep SAT teacher in Harlem, um, and on Saturdays, the kids would that we would teach, we'd start at, at like 8 o'clock in the morning, we'd end around 2 or 3, and I could see very immediately how what they were bringing in the morning, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, was around that two-block radius, which were not, um, let's say, better options that were more nutrient-dense. Even at the grocery stores, you never really saw organic. And I've always felt that... If they had better options, they would be able to retain the information better, and that really is going to impact the type of career outcomes they could have. I feel like this is my purpose, and in addition to the experiences that I've had, it has supported my dedication to it. So I'm a huge environmentalist, and, and just kind of as hard as agriculture can be, I really feel like this has kind of been just something that I'm here for, and that's why I kind of remain dedicated to it. Danita, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Anytime, Leah, was a pleasure. This has been the future of food. Go to futurefood.fm and you'll find transcripts of all shows, articles that build on what we talk about in the shows, and you can subscribe and never miss a podcast. That's futurefood.fm. I'm Lee Schneider.